This episode of Geeks Crossing is brought to you by today's sponsor, Anchor. Ever wanted to start a podcast but can't find the right platform to work with? Don't worry, Anchor has you covered. Anchor is a free audio app that allows you to record a podcast on any device no matter where you are. Anchor includes an editing feature that allows you to customize your podcast, whether it be on your computer or mobile device, so you can easily omit any errors or unnecessary parts. Anchor also allows you to distribute your podcast to other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Podcasts, which is amazing. Did I mention the part about making money? No? Well, you could be earning money every time someone listens to your podcast with no minimum listenership. If that's not the easiest way to make a podcast, I don't know what is. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Geeks Crossing. Today, you'll be subjected to another volume of Renaissance Matt, where I examine the history and impact of, well, pretty much anything. In my very first solo episode on this podcast, I described my top 10 favorite cartoons to be released in the 2010s. Spoiler alert, though it's been over seven months since that episode was released, and thinking back on it, it might be a little outdated. A little YouTube animated series by the name of Battle for Dream Island clinched the number nine spot on that list, probably to the confusion of anyone who was listening. Well, it's been a while, but I've decided to dedicate a Renaissance Matt deep dive to the weird following, community, and legacy this little YouTube cartoon has established. Even though this is only my sixth volume of Renaissance Matt, I think there's been quite an array of topics discussed. I've gone through stop-motion Christmas specials, mainstream TV shows, video games, and even an obscure rival of FDR. It's been a wild ride, huh? And yet, if you've never heard of Battle for Dream Island, or object shows, then this will probably be, far and away, the strangest episode of Renaissance Matt to date. Because, at the end of the day, even if you don't care about Spongebob video games, or Phineas and Ferb, or random historical figures like Al Smith, you can at least understand their existence and their followings. For today's topic, though, I'm prepared to describe a world most people don't know about, or understand in the slightest. The internet is truly a bizarre place. Now let's dig in, shall we? Our story begins somewhere around 2008. Carrie Huang, a young boy around 11 years old at the time, started doodling a comic and enlisted his twin brother Michael to help him. The comic more or less read like a newspaper comic, a few panels with a somewhat self-contained story and a punchline at the end. For the characters, Carrie and Michael came up with five main staples, basing them on inanimate objects, or properties, with little faces, arms, and legs. In the early script, the characters were Woody, Teardrop, Spongy, Match, and, pretty much the main character, Fiery. Named after what they are. Woody's a piece of wood, right? Spongy's a sponge, Fiery's a fireball. The two brothers enjoyed writing these comics, and decided to expand them to a larger story. They came up with more characters, including Coiny, Flower, and Golf Ball, among many others. They started coming up with somewhat more concrete personalities for them, and they adapted the world of the characters to fit with the brand new cartoon that had just premiered, Total Drama Island. And thus, Total Fiery Island was born, and it was exactly what it sounded like, the brainchild of two brothers writing a little comic strip on paper that they didn't think anybody would ever see. The comic divided everyone into two teams, each little episode had a challenge and an elimination ceremony. Despite being the series' namesake, Fiery himself did not end up winning. He was the ninth eliminated out of 16 contestants. Still, I think the reason I'm so particularly drawn to this origin story is that 
Back when I was t between 10 and 12 years old, I absolutely loved writing my own comics, coming up with my own stories, both somewhat original and heavily inspired by other media, which pretty much is total fiery island to a T. Maybe I'll try and rummage through some of my old comics for an episode one day. Then again, most of that stuff is probably very cringy, if not lost to the sands of time. Probably for the best. Anyway, Carrie and Michael Huang finished work on Total Fiery Island after a year, and the comic finished in late 2009. They thought about what to do next with their little characters. Originally, they planned a sequel comic, a la Total Drama Action, in this case, Total Fiery Points, which would introduce four new contestants to the mix, Leafy, Pin, Needle, and Pen, which brought the total number of contestants to 20. But as they drew out the first few episodes of Total Fiery Points, Carrie and Michael got the idea to turn it into an animation. Thus, using the first episode of Total Fiery Points as a storyboard of sorts, the Huang twins moved their characters to the digital world. The work went through some changes while transitioning to the internet, namely the personalities of the characters got even more concrete, and any references to Total Fiery Island were scrubbed. This would be a sort of reboot, and since it would be posted to the internet as an animation, it wouldn't have made sense to include references to a comic nobody online could have heard of. This was done in a relatively short amount of time, across the course of a few months in late 2009. Michael and Carrie did all of the animation, editing, and voice acting. And on January 1st, 2010, later re-uploaded on January 4th due to an error, and January 4th has been known as the birthday since, Battle for Dream Island was born. Now a YouTube animated series, Battle for Dream Island shared a lot in common with its comic predecessor, Total Fiery Island. All the characters were back, and there was a competition show with teams and elimination ceremonies. That said, there were some changes. As the new title suggested, contestants were now fighting for a Dream Island, a so-called Island of Paradise. Another major change was the elimination format. Instead of Carrie and Michael agreeing upon a set elimination order, Every time a team lost a challenge in BFDI, the viewers would get to vote on which contestant from that team should be eliminated. And then obviously after the teams merged, it was just whoever didn't have immunity the viewers got to pull from. This was a bold strategy, and the Huangs weren't sure if their little animated series would catch on. The process worked by the skin of its teeth, as the first episode received a single vote, meaning BFDI's first eliminated contestant, Flower, was eliminated due to receiving literally the only vote cast. As BFDI went on, though, more and more people became interested. Soon the season was regularly getting votes in the late single digits, then the double digits. Viewers became attracted to this quirky, creative animated series. They picked their favorite anthropomorphized objects to root for, in a similar fashion to people who watched the Total Drama series. The humor of BFDI was always quirky and relied heavily on randomness, quick pacing, and callbacks to older jokes and goofy moments. The first season didn't take itself seriously in the slightest. Conflicts, if you could even call them that, either came out of nowhere, like that between Fiery and Leafy towards the end of the season, or were hyperbolically serious, like that between Fiery and Coiny, who would always just slap each other. By sheer coincidence, since, again, Carrie and Michael had no control of the elimination order, it was all viewers, Fiery ended up winning Battle for Dream Island. Unfortunately, a jealous Leafy stole the island, and in an enigma of a finale, the island kind of just disappeared. The bizarre, mysterious speaker box who spoke with a text-to-speech voice and who acted as the host also disappeared. This was the end of the first season, and what a ride it had been. The series aired from January 2010 to January 2012, with an episode releasing more or less every single month. 
animated, edited, and voice acted almost exclusively by Carrie and Michael. Every character was also created by Carrie and Michael, with the exceptions of some fan-recommended characters who showed up towards the end of the season, most infamously including David, the first quote-unquote human character. Five months after the release of Battle for Dream Island's finale, Carrie and Michael released the first episode of Season 2, Battle for Dream Island Again, or BFDIA. But before we can even talk about it, it's worth noting that both before and during development of BFDIA, YouTube witnessed what I call the first object show boom. What the heck does that mean, right? Well, as BFDI ended and BFDIA revved up, Carrie and Michael Huang were surprised to see a number of copycat series beginning on YouTube. Its most famous, at the time and since, was Inanimate Insanity, also a competition show, also featuring inanimate objects. Inanimate Insanity started in September 2011, as BFDI's first season was wrapping up. It's also worth mentioning because, due to a family friendship, the creator of Inanimate Insanity was actually able to get Christian Potenza, the voice actor for Chris McLean, to star as the host for the first episode. That's really cool. But seeing as I called this the first object show boom, Inanimate Insanity was not the only YouTube animated series to take clear-cut inspiration from Battle for Dream Island. There was Brawl of the Objects, Object Overload, Object Universe, and Object Mayhem, to just name a few. In no time, there were enough to actually come up with a whole genre, that of the object show. They all followed the same formula, 10 to 30 contestants, all inanimate objects, gather to compete in a reality TV competition. All of these series started between 2011 and maybe 2014-2015, which was coincidentally the same time frame as BFDIA for the most part, which we'll get to. My inspiration for making this episode was just thinking about how strange this was in retrospect. How bizarre that an animated series which, on paper, is incredibly niche, goes on to spawn a ton of copies. What a weird formula, right? Inanimate objects competing for a grand prize. And by the way, these copies were not tiny and unknown. The first episodes of Brawl of the Objects and Object Overload have 1.15 and 1.18 million views, respectively, at the time of this recording. The first episode of Inanimate Insanity has over 2.6 million views. And the first episode of its second season, Inanimate Insanity 2 which premiered in 2013 in the middle of the so-called first object show boom, has well over 10 million views. One of the few shows from this era still ongoing, though it's almost over, episodes of Inanimate Insanity 2 that still release receive hundreds of thousands of views in a matter of hours. This was around the time I discovered object shows, probably around 2013 if memory serves. I binged through BFDI and BFDIA, Heck, I watched Inanimate Insanity and most of the other series that were clearly heavily inspired by BFDI as well. But that brings us to BFDIA, Season 2. The series was even more random and spontaneous than its predecessor. It barely had a host, which would alternate out depending on the episode. The challenges would be decided by spinning a giant wheel. Contestants could switch teams at the start of every episode. And the plots often depended on long-lasting gags. Plenty of more characters were introduced into the hijinks as well, including Nickel, who was voiced by the creator of Inanimate Insanity. Nickel was also a contestant on that show. BFDIA culminated with BFDIA 5, a behemoth of an adventure that took the teams to the long-lost Yoil City in a five-part episode that included one part, BFDIA 5B, that wasn't a video at all, but rather an actual fully playable Flash game. Yeah, you heard that right. 
However, despite the promise that BFDIA 6 would release a month after BFDIA 5E, as per usual, the release date came and went, then another month came and went, then multiple months, then a year, then multiple years. Five episodes in and Battle for Dream Island again seemed on a permanent hiatus. 2013 seemed like the end of BFDI, and by that point it had a decent run. Jack and Jillify, the channel out of which BFDI operated, had about 25,000 subscribers by the time of BFDIA 5E's release, according to the Wayback Machine. Not a ton, but that's nothing to scoff at for an independent animated channel. Most people chalked it up to just a neat chapter of early 2010's internet history and moved on. Indeed, many of the series of the first object show boom ended during this dry spell, as their creators moved on from object shows as well. Over the next few years though, the channel still attracted attention, mostly from the object show fans who wanted to see the original. Then, at the very end of summer 2016, over three years after BFDIA 6 was supposed to be released, Carrie and Michael Huang dropped a major bombshell. Now starting college, they were prepared to bring back Battle for Dream Island with a third season, IDFB. This acronym has never been explained, but it's plainly BFDI backwards, so let's just roll with that. With the explanation that BFDIA was cancelled, BFDIA 6 postponed indefinitely because the Huang twins lost advertising money in a case of YouTube being, well, YouTube, IDFB premiered with its first and only episode, IDFB promised to be very different from BFDI and BFDIA. In addition to having objectively the best intro, don't at me, IDFB also had the characters still in Yoyle City after the events of BFDIA 5. They had been hanging out for three years, just living life. The competition was no more, and the series just focused on bits of character development and hints of lore. Instead of voting off contestants, viewers would have been able to vote to have contestants join the show. Either contestants who were eliminated in BFDIA, didn't join BFDIA, or certain fan-recommended characters who never debuted at all. But hold on, did I say first and only episode? Yep, that's right. After one episode, Welcome Back, which dropped on September 1st, 2016, IDFB was also delayed. Carrie and Michael explained that they were very busy with other animation projects as well as school. This was understandable, of course. And IDFB hadn't attracted a ton of attention anyway, other than old BFDI fans who, like, I have to imagine, spit whatever they were drinking in an exaggerated fashion upon seeing IDFB episode 1 in their recommended feed for the first time. However, as fans awaited IDFB's elusive second episode, the unthinkable happened. That's right, BFDI season 4. On the pretense that IDFB 2 could still come out one day, the Huang still joke about it being quote-unquote delayed, a brand new season was revealed instead. First, I have to address the name of the season, which is initially Battle for BFDI, or BFB, which, yes, translates to Battle for Battle for Dream Island, but later on in the season, the show's name changes technically to Battle for BFB, which means, you guessed it, Battle for Battle for Battle for Dream Island. The show goes back to basics with the competition format, a format IDFB de deviated from, and the season also gets a fairly concrete host, with Four, a character from one of Carrie and Michael's very first YouTube animations, premiering while the Huang twins were still doodling Total Fiery Island in late 2008. But other than that, pretty much everything else is a radical change from past seasons. Well, the stories get a little more serious other than past seasons, you know, unlike those which focused on gags and stupidity, which this still does. There's a few more dramatic moments, especially towards the end. 
The animation in season 4 has also totally changed, stylized much more simply. Instead of the show's classic royalty-free soundtrack, BFB features a soundtrack composed by Michael Huang. The twins are also no longer the only animators, editors, or voice actors, having hired multiple old friends and fans from the internet to help out. And instead of the usual 10 to 20 contestants, BFB features a whopping 60. With all of these new additions, BFDI was back in full swing starting in November 2017, with a few hiccups, including a year-long hiatus. At the time of this recording, BFB is set to air its season finale sometime this month, making it the first season since the original Battle for Dream Island to, you know, make it to the finale. It's also worth mentioning that halfway through BFB, 40 contestants decided they wanted to compete for another prize and left the show in favor of a new competition. This new competition, BFDI, the power of two, or T-P-O-T, pronounced T-Pot, is BFDI's fifth season. And though its pilot episode is out, it'll probably pick up in full swing sometime after BFB's finale. That being said, with BFB came an enormous resurgence in object shows starting in the late 2010s. Jack and Jellify skyrocketed from around 280,000 subscribers, just after the first episode of BFB premiered, to nearly a million at the time of this recording. By the time this episode is out, they may have hit that magic seven-digit number already. New episodes of BFB regularly rake in over a million views. And with BFB came the second object show boom. Inspired by BFB's rougher animation, which made it easier to replicate, YouTube animators began creating a new surge of their own object shows, now inspired by BFB. Slightly more crude animation, and in many cases containing well over 40 contestants. Such series include Mysterious Object Super Show, Animated Inanimate Battle, and The Weekly Competition Show, to name a few. With BFB about to end, Kerry Huang has had time to reflect on the future of the series. He's mentioned a desire to return to BFDI's traditional animation in the future, and has enthusiastically entertained the possibility of a sixth season, under the condition that an episode of Teapot sees 100,000 viewer votes cast. Their record right now is a little over 91,000 votes. Kind of crazy to see how far they've come since the first episode of BFDI, which received a single viewer vote. And I believe that was only, there's only been in total about 65 episodes of BFDI. So they've gone from one vote to 91,000. Like, that blows my mind. In fact, going back to the first episode, Take the Plunge Part 1, it currently sits at 61 million views on YouTube at the time of this recording, which is honestly insane to think about. It's been over 11 years since then. It should be noted that Carrie and Michael Huang have also welcomed this so-called object show community with open arms, and have from the very beginning, inviting the creator of Inanimate Insanity to voice Nickel, and the creator of Object Overload to animate and voice the host of The Power of Two. They include too many recommended characters to count, and they released a book and online lecture detailing how amateurs can create their very own object show. As I've established, at the time of this recording, we're less than a month away from the release of the BFB finale and Jack and Jellify reaching 1 million subscribers on YouTube. So it seemed like as good a time as any to talk about this fascinating little animated series and the surreal yet quite literally genre-defying legacy it has left behind. I also hear they're pretty big on TikTok right now. You've just listened to another episode of Geeks Crossing. Have you ever watched Battle for Dream Island or any of its sequels? How about any other object shows? Did you at least learn something new today? <laughs> Let us know in the Discord. Link is in the description of this episode, as always. Follow us on Instagram at Geeks Crossing if you haven't already. 
And be sure to continue your support by listening to us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasting needs. I'm Matt. And Ziki Boogie Dooge.